The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Winning Ponies. Have some top guests for you today, and we have some top races to handicap. Everything's going to generate out of Gulfstream Park, both with our guests and the races we're going to look at. The first guest, you'll know him, none other than Hall of Famer Patrick Allen Pat Day will be with us. Of course, Pat's a four-time winner of the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Jockey, uh, inducted into the National Museum of Racing and Hall of Fame back in 91. Uh, is very proud of getting the George Wolf Memorial Jockey Award. That was back in 85 because that's given annually to the North American jockey who demonstrates the highest standards of professional and personal conduct. And we're going to announce the new winner for 2015 here in the body of the show. So Pat is uh, currently at Gulfstream, and he's down there for an event called Jockeys and Jeans that's going to benefit the Permanently Disabled uh, Jockeys Fund. And, man, he is down there with a great group of guys. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, listening to to the stories that uh, he'll be uh, spinning with uh, uh, top Hall of Famers uh, and um, all that's going to happen with jockeys and jeans. So Pat Day will be bringing us that. And then one of my favorite people, he's an Eclipse Award-winning writer, Frank Angst. He's also a bit of a player. So uh, Frank Angst from the Blood Horse is going to be breaking down the races at Gulfstream Park. We're going to get to see what many feel is the favorite for the Kentucky Derby, Mo Heyman will take on five foes in the grade two $400,000 express bet fountain of youth. So we're going to get another look at this undefeated son of Tappet. And then the ladies take center stage, and it will be the Phasic Tipton Devonna Dale. And we've got another undefeated in there in Catherine Sophia, who has just won freakishly over her three-race career. Hope the weather's good down there because then we're going to take on two turf races, the Palm Strings, which is a grade three, and the Canadian Turf, also a grade three. So, again, we're going to have Frank Angst helping us handicap, and we're going to have Pat Day telling us about a little bit about his career and then his involvement with the PDJF and maybe spin a few stories for us. Hope you came over to winningponies.com this week and pull down some of our easy win forms because we came away with quite a few solid winners from coast to coast and in the middle of the country. 
like Delta Downs back on the 18th, a 50 cent Super 5 key paid over 4,600. And at Sam Houston, a $1 pick five, $4,514. In Northern Kentucky, Turfway Park, a 50 cent pick five returned over 4,300. And I hope you pulled down your easy win forms for today at Tampa Bay because we had a 50 cent super high five that paid just over $4,000. So get over to winningponies.com and check out what we've got. Late breaking news today. It was California's day, California Chrome's day to shine, and uh, he put in quite a performance getting ready for the Dubai World Cup, sponsored by the Emirate Airlines. And today, Victor Espinosa went over there. He had to break from the one hole, so he sat a little chilly, and he let uh, some of the competition uh, move ahead. Now, you'll be able to go to several, like, America's Best Racing or the Blood Horse, as a matter of fact, uh, that Frank will be on with us has great video of the race, so you're going to want to see this. And so Victor Espinosa just kind of sat off the early leaders, was pretty much in third most of the race, just kind of let them go on. California Chrome, such a beautiful stride. Who ever would have thought that we'd find a five-year-old Kentucky Derby winner that's an entire horse still at the races in this day and age. He now campaigns for California Chrome Incorporated. As you know, that uh, Perry and Denise Martin and TaylorMade Farm brought in a couple prominent breeders because they really want to get him off to a good start. But either way, he shook loose from the competition, as many said he should, and uh, pulled away. It was a distance uh, that was about a mile and a quarter in uh, 204.24. Art Sherman called it a perfect race and said it was great to get a mile and a quarter test under his belt ahead of the Dubai World Cup, of course, $10 million up for grabs, so the best in the world will be pointing towards that. Now, uh, of course, California Chrome is not the only one from the U.S. Also pointed to the Dubai World Cup, the big race in Maidan, will be Frosted, who has already got a win under his belt. He won the Al Maktoum Challenge round just back in February 4th for Karen McLaughlin. So uh, we do have some U.S.-based horses over there, but congratulations uh, to the connections of California Crown. Chrome, he looked Absolutely sensational today. Uh, here, here is a surprise story picked up this week that one of the most successful partnerships in thoroughbred racing, Midwest Thoroughbreds, and trainer Jamie Ness split up. I mean, they have just been so dominant. I was listening to my brother down at uh, Tampa Bay saying, you know, it's, it's hard to win money here because Midwest and Ness are winning all the races. But uh, Ness began training for Midwest. Uh, back in 2009, and in the seven-plus years that Midwest has dominated the national standings in races won. Midwest let the nation, let's see, was four straight years from uh, 2010 through 2013 and set a record for races won in 2012 with 542 wins, earnings of over $10 million. Uh, Ness says, well, you know, one door closes, another one opens, so uh, we'll find out what happens, but that was a big surprise for such a successful team. Uh, looks like uh, Aerial Force is likely off the Kentucky Derby Trail after his performance as the favorite in the Risen Star. Uh, Mark Cassie says he's going to kind of come back, look at his other options. Of course, everybody says this horse is going to be 
just as good or better on the turf as he is on the main track. So he is off the Derby trail. Uh, Laurent Giroux scored a stakes-winning triple at the fairgrounds, and he was named Jockey of the Week. Now, you may recall it was about two weeks ago we had his agent, Doug Brader, on Winning Ponies, and he said Florent was going to have a big day on the 20th. Well, that was last Saturday. Uh, he went uh, back-to-back winning two graded stakes races on the card, ended up winning four races aboard Gun Runner, and yeah, Gun Runner, 5-1, to one, paid $12.20 in the grade two risen star, and he jumps to the top of the Kentucky Derby points leaderboard. Uh, so, Florent Giraud, we got to learn a lot about him from Doug Brader. Uh, he also piloted home chocolate ride to win the fairgrounds handicap. Uh, this was the second year that he, that he won that. So, uh, congratulations to him and to Doug Brader. Now, uh, on the not-so-good jockey news side, Rafael Hernandez and Joel Rosario will be sidelined indefinitely after being injured in a terrible chain reaction spill that took place uh, in Saturday's Melody of Colors stakes. It looks like Hernandez uh, broke uh, several ribs, fractured a collarbone, and had some internal uh, injuries. Rosario underwent surgery Monday to repair a broken wrist. And uh, Edgar Zayas, who was involved in the incident, just kind of got roughed up and took off his mouth on Sunday with a swollen ankle, but they believe that he will be back. Uh, Rosario's agent, uh, Ron Anderson, says it's a standard fracture. Yeah, standard for anybody that doesn't have it. Uh, like anybody would try to get from escaping a fall, they're going to put a plate in to speed up the healing. Uh, Hernandez's agent, Cliff Collier, said there's no damage to the spine. That's the good news, but he's in a lot of pain, and he's going to be in the hospital for a while, so... So uh, we wish them nothing but the best in, in coming back. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, the George Wolf Award winner has been announced, and it is, drumroll please, Victor Espinoza, uh, the first Triple Crown winning jockey in 37 years, but he didn't just win it for that. He has helped uh, Thoroughbred Racing project a positive image far beyond the industry, uh, what you need to know that he is a big supporter of, of many cherries. In addition to his numerous television appearances that were great, uh, he remained a tireless supporter in his efforts on behalf of cancer-stricken youth, donating a percentage of his winnings to support pediatric cancer and research at the City of Hope in Duarte, California. So congratulations, Victor Espinoza, what a big week, win on California Chrome, and then he wins the George Wolf Award a long way from the dairy farm he grew up on in Mexico City. So uh, been a, quite a, a career for him. A uh, guy, he's the 11th of 12 children. He's won the ESPY three times, three Kentucky Derby wins, three Preakness victories, and three Breeders' Cup wins. He's won the Southern California riding title 11 times. So congratulations to Victor Espinoza. Later we'll be talking to another Wolf Award winner in Pat Day. Here was good news. 
Jenny Reese, who's been with us many, many times, is going to take on the position of Director of Publicity at Kentucky Downs. That's a job that Jenny will fit uh, very well working with uh, Corey Johnson. She's going to do an outstanding job. It's a little bit away from her home in Louisville, but I'm sure Jenny will adapt just fine. So congratulations to uh, Jenny Reese on taking that position at Kentucky Downs. Uh, We did, uh, in the breeding news, we lost a champion, Timber Country died at the age of 24. Of course, he was a U.S. champion. Uh, you haven't heard much of him lately because he went over to Japan to become a sire. Uh, he was campaigned by Overbrook Farm, Gainsway Thoroughbreds, at Bob and Beverly Lewis. As you know, he was the Eclipse Award-winning champion, two-year-old male. Uh, he did uh, rebound after the Derby loss to win the Preakness Stakes by a half a length over Oliver's Twist with Thunder Gulch, another neck back in third. That made him the first Juvenile Breeders' Cup winner ever to take an American Classic the following year. All right. I want to thank Ed DeRosa, who was our handicapper last week. Let's go way down yonder to New Orleans. In the Risen Star, it was, again, Florent Giraud on Gunrunner getting the job done for Steve Asmussen, paying twelve twenty. In the second spot, for Vamo at 40-1, to 1. he's going to come back in the Louisiana Derby, Al Stahl says. And in the third spot was Mo Tom, who was really roughed up in the stretch. Then in the girls' division, the Rachel Alexandra, it was Venus Valentine, Corey Lannery up 74-1, to 1, last to first, hugged the rail like Calvin Borrell. In second, it was the sixth, Midnight on Oconee, and third was number one, Shaken. So we'll see those horses, how many got points, and will show up for the Kentucky Oaks. Then in the uh, the fairgrounds handicap, again, Florent Giroux, it was Chocolate Ride winning this race two years in a row. Third was Roman Approval, and in the third spot was Departing. Well, that's a look at the races uh, that we handicapped last week. Now we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we come back, we're going to see what a difference a day makes. That's right. We're going to get to talk to the man of the year every year, Pat Day. To the room, passing out hundred dollar bills, and it kills and it thrills like the horns on my silver. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and I am blessed to have one of the greatest guys ever in horse racing, Pat Day, with us. I could go on and talk about uh, his accomplishments all day, everything from uh, the Canadian Triple Crown to the fact that uh, he had, had ridden in at least one mount in each of the first 20 Breeders' Cup, winning the first Breeders' Cup Classic, and, of course, as many accomplishments at Churchill and Keeneland, but we've only got about 12 more minutes. So, Pat, welcome Thanks for being on Winning Ponies. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you, John. Thank you so much. Well, you know, uh, you're down there in support of the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. And I just wanted to ask you, um, I've seen you. You're fit as a fiddle. You look great. Um, How was your career as far as uh, staying somewhat injury-free? Well, I was I was tremendously blessed, John. You know, we, we rode over forty thousand races, and when you ride that many races, there you're you're it's bound to happen. You're going to hit the ground, and we did. We had our fair share of, of uh, accidents, uh, but by the grace of God, we we got up and walked away. And I think it's uh, due in some part to the fact that I, I tried to be a bull rider before I started riding racehorses. I, I learned how to fall in that process, and. And then being small, you know, being short, it's easier to get kind of curled up than it is for some of them tall guys. And and um, but it all it all played in our favor. We we rode that many races and and uh, retired healthy and uh, wake up in the mornings with no aches or pains. So feel very very fortunate. You know, um, when we think about the PDJF, often in our mind's eye, we we see you know maybe Michael Strait or Jackie Fires, Gary Berzer, uh, guys that. Uh, Ended up, sad to say, in a wheelchair. Um, but all, I was on the phone today with uh, Jeff Johnson from the Jockeys Guild, and what I found out is that, that they also take care of people uh, that had to retire due to uh, brain trauma. And uh, starting this year, they're going to start out at some of the tracks, and they're actually going to have uh, a concussion profile like they do in the NFL now, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, start, starting with your days in the rodeo, I know some of these guys wanted to be macho, and they didn't wear helmets like a lot of them do now. You just wore a hat. I mean, quite frankly, uh, Pat, how many times did you get your bell rung and, and go out and get on another bull or get on another horse? Uh, more than I care to count. Uh, actually, I, you know, I've, I've had several concussions, slight skull fractures. Um, but fortunately, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm uh, still in pretty good shape, and I, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate the guild bringing that on board. It's 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 time, and I know they've been studying, uh, uh, you know, the <clears throat> brain concussions and repetitive brain concussions. The first time's not bad, but when you do it again. After shortly afterwards, and don't give yourself ample time to heal. Uh, that's when you start incurring long-term damage, and so they're they're doing what they can to to make it safer and better for the riders during their riding career. And and of course, when they retire, they they'd like to see them go to the sidelines in one piece and and able to to do what they want to do, do what they would enjoy doing. You know, uh, I know you've been in the jacks room, and I've observed it myself, where a, a guy's gone down, and it is amazing how fit. 
Jackie's hours athletes and do come out of uh, accidents that look horrendous and are just fine. But I've seen it where a jockey will go down. A couple races later, he knows he's sitting on a four to five shot. He'll ride that horse, perhaps win the race, and then take off the rest of his mounts. That tells me he just didn't want to give that up because you know what it's like, Pat. Once somebody else wins on a horse, you lose that mount. And I think that that's probably a part of the, the, the danger of these guys that, that do go down and then go back out and ride. Well, absolutely. You know, it's a, <clears throat> it's a very competitive sport uh, from a rider standpoint. You're, you're fighting for mounts, and good mounts are hard to come by. And when you get them, you want to keep them. And uh, certainly, as you just said, when, when, uh, when you're not there, somebody else is going to ride them. And then when you come back, it's going to be tough to, to get back on them horses. So it's an added incentive to get back in the saddle and, and uh, probably uh, pushes them a, a little more than necessary. Well, luckily, I mean, over your days in the saddle, too, we've seen equipment change. I'm guessing when you first started out, you probably didn't even use the safety vest. Uh, no, sir. No, that came in about, uh, I can't tell you the year, but <clears throat> it was probably half or three-quarters of the way through my career. So, um, And at first, they didn't make them mandatory. And, of course, you know, we're, we're kind of... Uh, us little pinheads, we like to look sharp going to the paddock and wearing a bulky <laughs> vest and a big helmet. That just didn't wasn't very appealing. But uh, once once the guys started realizing that the new helmets were decidedly safer and the safety vest uh, offers considerable protection uh, and it enhances the chances of you being able to get back in the saddle and to not incur serious injury and and that along with a multitude of other things, the safety rails and and a number of other. Uh, things that they've implemented to, to make it safer for, for the riders and, and for the horses, too. Right, and I, and I see that the, the, the Guild is also working on uh, nutrition programs, uh, exercise programs, <laughs> just things that didn't happen, you know, 30 years ago, and, and, and you know what some of the guys did to make sure that they got back in the saddle. So I'm so glad to, to see that those efforts are being made, and I was really happy to hear about this uh, concussion protocol. Uh, on a personal mm-hmm. note, Pat, you know, I, I, I know some young riders that, uh, you know, looked up to you earlier in their career and tried to emulate their style. Was there someone that you looked up to in the early days? Well, you know, I, I looked up to, to everybody. Um, you know, as I was riding, and I watched everybody, and if I seen them doing something that, uh, that I wasn't doing and it uh, seemed to be successful for them, I would uh, try that, and if it felt comfortable and worked well, I would continue with that. But I didn't have any one, one person that, uh, that I tried to pattern myself after. Well, I, I recently uh, read a book uh, written by uh, Gary Weston and Bob Fortas, and they, they uh, alluded to you in one of the chapters. Actually, they talked about several riders <clears throat> and how they approached a race, some being like Jerry Bailey, very methodical, and reading the racing form and figuring out what everybody was going to do in the race. But when they started talking about you, they started talking about your feel and that your uh, ability to let a horse become the best he could be at certain parts of the race was one of the major keys of your success. Um, did that come naturally, or was it something that you developed over the years? Uh, I think it was is part and parcel of the, the talent and ability that the Lord blessed me with, John. <clears throat> you know, I, I, it was there to start with. I think I honed it. I think I, I perfected it as best as I could. Uh, and, and use that 
But uh, I was I was an intuitive rider. I wasn't a I wasn't the smartest rider in the room, but I was an intuitive rider. I rode the race the way the horse was running up underneath of me, not trying to not trying to plan it out, but just to ride, you know, with the, with the idea that we wanted to be in front at the finish line. And and uh, you know, horses wanted to do what I wanted them to do, with a minimal amount of encouragement on my part, whether that was to settle in the early stages or to give me their very best in the drive. And and then I had a sixth sense of knowing when to ask them for their best. And I, I can't tell you why I done it. Uh, there, there was no rhyme or reason. Basically, it just I felt like that was the right thing to do at that moment in time, and subsequently it, it equated to success. And uh, I just think that I was tremendously blessed with uh, natural talent and ability. Well, you're going to get a chance to talk about uh, some of the great races that you rode in uh, coming up in, in the days ahead. I mean, uh, there's going to be some unbelievable uh, contemporaries of yours, uh, you know, people like Chris McCarron, Sandy Hawley, Edgar Prado, Jose Santos, Bobby Ussery, Jacinto Vasquez. Um, it, it's just got to be fantastic to be in a room with all of these high-profile riders of which you competed against, uh, which beat you, you beat them. There's got to be some fantastic stories out there that you get to share with these guys. Well, it's it's just good to get together with them, and uh, uh, you know, it's it's tremendous uh, what uh, what this you know the jockeys and jeans uh, group they have worked hard to assimilate this this group of riders and to get them together, and and it's um, I think it, it speaks highly of the character of the riders that will be here uh, that are coming from all over the country to participate. Uh, in this effort to raise funds for and awareness of our, you know, the permanently disabled jockeys fund. And, uh, uh, I just commend the people that have worked so hard to put it together. I commend the riders that are coming in to participate. And I'm just honored and, de- and delighted to be here and to be a part of this and, and, uh, get to renew some old acquaintances and make some new ones. And, uh, yeah, from what I understand, you know, individuals are, are going to uh, get to partake and meet you guys, probably get a few selfies. I just want to uh, th- throw a, a number out there. Uh, it's uh, 954-457-6201. One more time, 954-457-6201. Um, it's going to be held in the Sport of Kings room beginning at noon, and tickets are only $50. Just to be in a room with some of those guys I just named uh, would be fantastic. And then I also understand that uh, outside of your inaugural Breeders' Cup Classic, that was a little bit of a bump and run according to some people, not you, you got up by your nose, uh, that they're also going to review the 1962 Preakness with uh, Johnny Rotz and Manny Yakaza, two guys that were heroes of mine growing up. I used to go up as a little kid and watch them ride at Saratoga. Uh, it's, it's just going to be fantastic going back in time, and I guess it's the first time that uh, Yakaza and Rotz have actually uh, shared a stage to talk about it. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, yeah, this is this will be the first time, and I'm kind of interested in uh, in hearing and seeing that myself. <laughs> well, I I guess uh, the top three riders uh, that uh, you and Cadero and Pinkai are going to be aboard. You're going to get to talk about that stretch run in the inaugural Breeders' Cup Classic too. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand they've got the, they've got that race. They're going to show it, and then we're going to get to to talk about it and cut up a little bit uh, and relive that wonderful experience. 
Well, I, I know that when they had the jockeys and, and jeans over in Indiana, they raised over $200,000. But there's been some things added to this one. I think it's going to spice it up even more, not to mention all the stars that are, that are going to be there. Uh, there's going to be a, a stallion auction, uh, starquine.com, and in there are going to be six lanes and stallions. As you know, there, <laughs> there's some top blue bloods out there, the likes of Honor Code, Liam's Map, The Fact, Tonalist, Union Rags, uh, Mr. Speaker. Uh, they've got other stallions uh, totaling about a quarter million dollars. I think it's just fantastic when uh, the, the racing community comes together in an effort like that. And I think you guys are going to make a ton of money. Well, we're certainly hopeful that we will. And, uh, you know, in the process, raise awareness of the plights of our fallen riders and comrades and, and uh, the efforts that we're making to try, to try to give them a decent quality of life. Uh, even though they were driven out of the saddle by the accident, uh, you know we just uh, trying trying to trying to help them out as best as we can, and certainly uh, commend Lane's End and, and their generosity and continuing support of the PDJF and uh, and the work that we're doing, and and the support of uh, of. of- Great people like you. Pat, I just want to know, if I can real quick, in conclusion here, um, what other efforts are you uh, currently uh, behind that we can lend our support to? Well, I've I've committed my time full-time to to sharing the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm very involved with ministry work. I'm the president of the council there in Kentucky of the uh, Kentucky Racetrack Chaplaincy. I'm on the board for a ministry that my wife started uh, 13 years ago, helping single mothers to break the cycle of government dependency called Mom's Closet Resource Center. And then I'm very privileged to get uh, numerous opportunities to, to guest speak uh, at area churches, prayer uh, groups, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, prayer breakfasts. Um, and and it just a, it's just a joy and a privilege and a pleasure. And you know, I got to tell you, the, I believe that my racing career was just a stepping stone to what I'm doing today. I believe that what I'm doing today is decidedly more important. And for me personally, at the end of the day, it's decidedly more rewarding and fulfilling uh, than, than the incredibly successful racing career. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, to, to do that and then to have the opportunity to uh, participate in events such as this to raise to raise funds for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund and and uh, other uh, organizations is just uh, and just a joy. You know, I was on the receiving end uh, for 32 years, uh, riding races, winning races, and doing something that I loved at the highest level. And now I have this opportunity to to give back to the community, to the racing community, and to the community at large. And uh, I tell you what, I'm just uh, I'm just tremendously blessed. Well, we're tremendously blessed to have you on with us at Winning Ponies. I wish you nothing but the best, and I hope you have a great time uh, with your old riding partners down there at Gulfstream Park. Again, it's Jockeys and Jeans, and it is open to the public. Reach into your jeans and pull out some greens. Uh, They're going to have some great auction items. And don't forget, if you're a horse breeder, there's also some fantastic stud fees available to you out there. Pat Day, thank you so much, and I wish you nothing but the best always. Thank you so much, John. It's nice being on with you. Appreciate the, you, you giving us the opportunity to get some exposure for this event and, uh, and wish you the best, sir. God bless you. All right. Take care. We've been talking to Hall of Famer Pat Day. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to an Eclipse Award-winning writer, pretty good handicapper, too, and that's Frank Anks from the Blood Horse. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Mm-hmm. 
The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Leave the bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, Eclipse Award-winning writer Frank Angst, who's uh, always generous with his time. He's also a bit of a handicapper. You'll see him uh, at the races. He's not shy about going to a window, so that's one of the reasons we brought him on to break down uh, some of the uh, action at, uh, at Gulfstream this week. But before we get there, I want to talk about the lead story on bloodhorse.com that I read a couple hours ago, written by Frank Angst. It looks like California Chrome is uh, living up to his laurels, huh? Yeah, he really looks to be back in the in the top form, which is great to see off that long layoff. And I mean, you can't ever say a year when you finish second in the Dubai World Cup is a bad year, but it, I think it was a frustrating <laughs> year because that it wasn't the plan to end things with that race. So, as we all know, so many things can come up with horses, and to see one uh, come all the way back from that and reel off two nice wins to start the year. He's, uh, he's going into the Dubai World Cup on a roll for sure. Hey, and listen, I want to steer people to thebloodhorse.com because in addition to Frank's story uh, is a video of this race. And I'll tell you what, first of all, it's so crisp and clear, it's fantastic. It's better than my television. And number two is you see with what ease California Chrome uh, won that race. Uh, I do believe that the Victor Espinosa's whip was never uncocked. It looked more like a public workout. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, the field was not very good. But one thing that I didn't realize as I was watching, I didn't realize until I wrote up the story, he was spotting every horse in that field 15 pounds. So wow. <laughs> to, to make that move that he made to just where he drew off an early stretch just to put everyone away without really being asked, when you're carrying that much more weight, I thought that says a lot, regardless of quality of field. I, I was impressed. Yeah, and, you know, they just seem to have done everything right since they got him back from Europe last year, took the time at, at Taylor Made Farm, gave him back to Art Sherman, uh, things that probably should have happened last year. Um, 
and they all seem headed in the right direction. Uh, Taylor Made has lined up a couple new owners that I understand have some pretty valuable mares, so he's guaranteed, no matter what happens, a pretty good book. I think it's just sensational that in this day and age, we're getting to see a Kentucky Derby winner run at five. Yeah, it seemed like a great transition from uh, racing to breeding, and we get one more year of racing out of it, and they're going to try to just show some more of, of what California Chrome can do. And, and Taylor Mate's having a, a great time with it. They've been having a lot of success selling a lot of California merch, California Chrome merchandise. So that's been <laughs> great to see. So just really good news all around though, with that camp. Yeah, I do believe they went from dumbass stables to California Chrome Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs> in, in more ways than one. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we, we, we've kind of got the American Pharaoh hangover a little bit. It was an amazing uh, 2015. But I'm telling you what, we've got some exciting things happening out here on the horizon, uh, particularly with the horse we'll be talking about coming up here in Mohamen. But uh, with Nyquist, Let's face it, you can't knock a horse that has never taken a bad step, won every race, and is the two-year-old champion. Let me pose this question to you. I know you don't have the answer, but um, it looks like they're going to go to the Florida Derby because of the Fasig Tipton million-dollar bonus. The, my question to you is, do you think if Mohamed wins the Fountain of Youth that he's going to stick around to meet Nyquist before the first Saturday in May, or if he might go up and try one of the New York races in an area that Karen McLaughlin's familiar with? Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we've gotten so used to the way that Derby's set up now with so many Derby preps to choose from, we really very rarely see the top three-year-olds face each other until the Derby because there's no great reason to. There's a lot of money to be made uh, sticking in the preps and, and not overloading those preps. But in this case, I mean, if Mohamed runs well Saturday, I just don't see any reason to ship out of there. I mean, he's in his comfort zone and is running well. I mean, that said, I wouldn't be shocked if they opted for something like the Wood Memorial, where, where Kieran, of course, also has a stable. But... Uh, I'm thinking collision course in the Florida Derby. <laughs> Maybe that would be pretty cool. That would be quite the Kentucky Derby preview is all I can say. And obviously, sure. you know, let's face it, you know, you're throwing a million dollars out in front of, uh, you know, Doug O'Neill and Paul Radham. It's awful hard to turn down. Uh, and I'm sure they know that they're going to ha- have a collision course with Mohamed someday if they both stay fit. So it might just happen down there with the extra money offered. Well, let's talk about the Fountain of Youth. I mean, uh, it, it, there's obviously, you know, three-year-olds in there that have a huge upside to them that are going to win some big races down the road. But I just feel that the way Mohamed is going right now, that the race is for place. You know, it's funny. Um put together a couple derby watch lists and uh i usually start with the west coast and i really i mean if you had asked me in january i probably would have said nyquist is going to be at the top of my list but mohayman has just impressed me so much with his runs he's just so disciplined and just has that perfect running style of shadowing whoever goes to the lead and then just pouncing and just uh Boy, he's just been a pleasure to watch. And I, I just I couldn't get past. Not I had to put him at the top of my list. And Kieran's a great guy. I'd love to see him him get a you know a Derby win this year. That would just be tremendous. But there's a lot of people on the Derby trail. I'd love to see win. But but this horse has been so impressive, and I can't see him uh, not being impressive again Saturday. 
No, I, I can't either. And, you know, again, you know, Todd Pletcher, my God, he's got, uh, what, how many horses nominated for, for the Triple Crown? And, you know, he's got, the, you know, the Buzz Horse, Zulu. Of course, you've got uh, Awesome Speed in there uh, coming out. you got Awesome Banner, uh, who won the Swell. But, again, these horses are now going to have to, uh, some of them for the first time, stretch out to a mile and a 16th, uh, something that Mohamed's already done and did yeah, it with ease I mean, after being bumped at the start. Exactly, and uh, he also continues to train well. You, you just—it's hard to just find a reason of why you were reasonably going to go against Mohamed, other than maybe if you just pick against every favorite, you're forced to doing that. But I just can't knock the horse at anything he's done race-wise or in the mornings. Um, I mean, maybe there's—I, I like Awesome Speed, who's. The, who is who is uh, four to one as compared to Zulu at three to one and Austin Banner at seven to two? Who knows if that'll hold up? But maybe that's just a tiny bit of exact value there. I I just like the, his three straight wins, and he also just seems uh, capable of racing near to front, but he doesn't need the lead. And I, I kind of like I prefer him to Zulu, for instance. Well, all I know is if I'm going to find myself at a racetrack, I'm keying him over the three horses you just mentioned. Well, the uh, facing Tipton, uh, Devon Adele, grade two, $200,000. Uh, again, these are horses that are going to be pointing towards the Kentucky Oaks, Phillies, I should say. And let's face it, this Catherine Sophia, is she a freak? I mean, I've watched her three races, and she is just Awesome. Uh, sad to say, Joel Rosario, because of injury, won't ride, but certainly Javier Castellano was in quite the zone back in 2015. Um, what do you think about this race? And once again, I, I think the race is for place. Yeah, well, I'm actually going to try to beat her, but I mean, I have nothing bad to say about Catherine Sophia. I was kind of looking at her final furlong times in the, the past two seven furlong races, and you're looking at 12.1 and 12.3. So that that's definitely getting it done, but uh, in hand uh, rides now, Frank. In exactly, hand rides, exactly. So maybe maybe I'm crazy to try it, but uh, I think Dearest. I think if Dearest improves again, that she can be right there. I'm, and I she's won both her first two starts. She's based down there. Um, I think she improved in the second start because she won the first start and probably went too fast early, but still found a way to win, which I like. And then in the second start, she rated a bit more and then finished with more punch. Um, so I think if she can do that again, I think she can be right there. And stretching out to the one-turn mile, that should be right up her alley as a midshipman filly. And I also look back to that first start. Our girls at Charmer ran second. All she's done off that start is go win her maiden and win a stakes at Tampa. And I think Dearest has gotten better from that first start. So... I, as nice of the first start as that was, I think Dearest is better. I, I will concede she probably has to get better again to beat Catherine Sophia, but I think she's capable of getting better again. These are young horses, and at 5-1 to one morning line, I, I think I will take that bet. Well, uh, we will uh, we will we'll find out. I just think Catherine Sophia and watching her races and, you know, just consistent 90 buyer speed. I do think the fact that it's a one-turn mile 
you know, is it her favor? Because it's mm-hmm. even though it's her first time in a mile, I think the one turn will will, will give her more of, of a of a comfort zone. Um, but we'll find out. You know, uh, eventually they're all going to have to stretch out if they plan on getting into the Kentucky Oaks. So uh, here's what we're going to do, Frank. We'll take a little bit of a break. I think we got the two big races out of the way. Then we got the two that are kind of tougher to handicap, uh, and that is the uh, Palm Springs and the Canadian Turf. Pat Day just told us that the weather's nice down there, so hopefully both of them will get in on the grass. We are talking to Eclipse Award-winning writer Frank Angst. We're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Passing out hundred dollar bills And it kills and it thrills Like the horns on my Silverado grill And I buy the bar double round The opening kickoff is a beauty It's a fly ball deep right field That goes O'Neal He's at the shot Got it With 2.8 seconds left to left I don't care where they put him This one is out of here From high school to the pros We we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me is Frank Angst from the Blood Horse again. If you go to bloodhorse.com, he's the lead story right now, talking about California Chrome, and there's a great video that those guys posted. Again, he didn't face the toughest in the world, but it's the way he did it, and I really like the information Frank gave us about the fact that he was packing as much as 15 pounds over those other horses. You know, I remember back in the days, I'm dating myself here, of uh, forego and horses like that that would spot horses 24 pounds. You just don't see that anymore, Frank. Yeah, it was a, it was a handicap, and it was a true handicap over there. <laughs> they did. Over here in the U.S., it seems like our handicaps, it's like a five-pound difference these days. Uh, just Max. because everybody's competing so hard for horses, they don't want to wait a horse out of the race. They want the star horses there, so I can understand it, but... Uh, yeah, we don't see those huge weight differences in the U.S. anymore. Yeah, we really don't. And, you know, it, it, it's sad to say because what will happen is is somebody will uh, say, gee, if they're not going to go to that race, they can come to mine. So I'll, you know, yeah. 
I'll, I'll make it even weights or I'll just, you know, knock a couple pounds off and normally the trainer will do it. But it's just kind of sad because you just see, remember those horses like, you know, Kelso and Forgo, uh, John Henry, uh, that, that could pack it on and still beat anybody that showed up that day. I think it just was a testimony to their greatness. Yeah, it was definitely uh, another measuring stick to to look at the great horses, and, and we just really don't have that measuring stick anymore. Well, uh, we've covered race 5 and race 12 down at Gulfstream on Saturday. Uh, right now we'll go uh, to the one-mile Canadian turf. It's a grade 3, um, and it draws together a field of 9. I had some troubles separating this group. I don't know if it's going to be a case of uh, you know the tortoise and the hare. You've got, you've got a couple horses like, like Heart to Heart and Long on Value that when you look at their body of work, I guess I could maybe throw Tower of Texas in there, um, looks like they've been facing tougher competition than some of the other ones in here. Well, what's your read on the race? Is it, is it going to be a rider's race? Can somebody like uh, uh, not a capital llama try to go out there and steal it with Johnny V up? I'm looking mm-hmm. at your read here, Frank Angst. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely landed in the same ballpark with you. It's a tough race, uh, I don't think it's a pick four race. If it was, I don't think it would be one where I single. But I do think long on value offers some value. He won the race last year, which I always like that. They've already shown they can win on the course and at these conditions. And, boy, I have to tell you, John, and I'm sure you've noticed, but Laurent Giroux, I mean, you you just can't leave him off a ticket these days. The, the jock is as hot as it gets, and, and I kind of think maybe we'll get a little value since he's shipping in the Gulfstream where the, obviously everything's kind of a national crowd, but people aren't used to seeing him there as much as they are at fairgrounds and in the Midwest. And I think maybe you pick up some value with the jock, a bit of a jock angle on this one. You know, you're absolutely right. I don't know if you tuned in earlier, but he won uh, Jockey of the Week last week. And I had his agent, Doug Brader, on a couple weeks ago. And Doug kind of told us on air, he says, by the way, I'm going to have a good day on the 20th. (laughs) And he goes out there and wins three stakes races and another race on the card. You're right. Uh, Right now it seems like it's Florent Giroux's world and we're just living in it. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I think a hot jock can add something in in a close race like this, especially turf, I, I think. Jocks have a lot more say in the outcome of turf races, so it's good that that the connections have have Drew and his point in their corner. I mean, the horse is coming off the layoff, but you got Billy Mahdi, who's as good as anyone, and and the horse won off of like a two month layoff, won this race last year, so he's certainly capable of that. I mean, the Visadero was as good as a three year old turf horse as you'll see last year. I, I think a, a long shot. I think is Fredericksburg. Um, that allowance race that he ran in, I thought was a really nice race. And Grand Tito is a stakes horse who's been right there and some, definitely some grade twos, I think maybe even some grade ones. So, you know, the fact that he only lost to him by like a length and a half, I think that's a nice race for a horse that's listed at 15 to 1. Absolutely. That's a great price. But I certainly, I keep going back a little bit to heart to heart in that, uh, you know, you talk about the French connection, uh, 
Uh, Julian Le Peru, you know, fits this horse like a glove. He's ridden in him on all of his best races with 100 plus buyer figures. He's already been out one time this year with a 104, uh, going a mile and a 16th on the Gulfstream Park turf. Um, he, he's going to be a danger in here, and certainly no problem with the distance. Seven starts, three wins in a second for almost $200,000. So that's a look at the Canadian turf. Now we're going to go to a race on the weeds at Gulfstream Park. It's listed at race 11. It's on the grass, a mile and a 16th, and it's the Palm Springs. And we've got three-year-olds. Uh, about half the field is nominated at a triple crown. I mean, somebody could jump up. I mean, top three of these horses are coming out of a uh, uh, troubled trip kittens joy stakes. Uh, sad to say, two of those horses uh, are parked way on the outside this mile in a 16th race. But it's wide open because, Frank, I think you got to admit, uh, there's a lot of horses in here that could improve off their last start. Yeah, that's for sure. And, I mean, it's that time of year where you – you can just find that hot horse, and then all, all of a sudden you're in business and might get a little bit better price than, than what you expected. Well, with that said, um, you know, again, I, uh, JR's Holiday and uh, Azar uh, came out of the Kitten's Joy. JR's Holiday ended up winning that race. Uh, Azar was placed second through disqualification, and uh, don't be so salty. I don't know what he did. He veered out and and then bumped everybody. Uh, it looks like he's going to go back to his last winning stakes winning jockey. Um, how do you see this? I mean, do you think that post position is really going to hurt JR's Holiday and Azar? Because I think it's going to hurt Azar more because he likes to be closer to the pace than JR's Holiday. Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, I mean, you definitely have Johnny Velasquez aboard Azar who. He's been a guy who can find a way a lot of times when you're, when you're not sure how it's going to come together. He seems to find a way. But, yeah, of the two, I think the, the wider post may hurt him more. Uh, well, which way are you going to be going in this one, Frank? You know, I was kind of looking at the other Todd. I mean, see, there maybe there's even more knowing Todd, but the Kismet's heels is who's been close and two ma- doesn't have a win yet, but has been close right there in both maiden races and steps up to the stakes. And I'm confident that uh, a guy by the name of Mr. Pletcher has a good feel for the class level of this horse. And he seems, uh, I mean, he seems to be a horse that's on the improve as well. And Luis Saez is as good a turf rider as he gets. I mean, I, looking at the two, Johnny Velasquez looks like he probably had his choice and, and stuck with the other, but, uh, Boy, I don't. I don't think you can knock Kismet's heels either. No, no, you really, you really can't. But uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how it does set set up. You know, you've got uh, some speed horses, but distances is, is the is the question mark. Um, so this could be a riders' race, or it could be a breakout race for any one of those horses that's nominated to the Triple Crown. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, it's just. Uh... Horses can improve so much from one start to the next this time of year. But uh, it's kind of funny. Some of the horses that I like the most probably drew some of the worst posts. So it it makes it kind of interesting in that regard. Well, it's it's going to be an interesting day at Gulfstream again. I think, you know, the most excitement is going to be uh, watching uh, Mo Heyman in his race, again, kind of a short field, but 
Um, you, you never know what's going to happen, and certainly we'll see if uh, Catherine Sophia is the, the the new girl on the rise for uh, the Kentucky Oaks. Now, those are ones that that we're, that we're looking at. Are there any others that are on Frank Angst? Uh, uh, Radar as I got about a minute before we close out the show. It's been a busy week, John. I haven't looked at much other other than the races uh, you assigned me <laughs> to look at. But, um, I mean, of these four races, I like Deers the best. I really like that five to one, and I think she improves again and, and can run a nice race center. All right. Well, Frank, thanks so much for your time. Uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it, and uh, look forward to the next time our paths cross. Thanks, John. It's been great. All right. Uh, that was Eclipse Award-winning writer uh, Frank Angst. I also want to thank Hall of Fame jockey Pat Day, and I want to remind everybody that they can, in fact, partake in Jockeys and Jeans. If you just happen to be near Gulfstream Park on Sunday, it's open to the public, so feel free because there's going to be some great guys down there and a fantastic charity event. So once again, as I overlook the manicured turf course across the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I'm John Engelhardt. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies. And remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.